In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. So we're going to talk about movies. I guess because Alan Rickman died. David Bowie died. Not because of those. And Celine Dion's husband and brother died. Those two died. Husband and, but it was the same person that was her husband and no, her brother? her husband and then her brother. Oh. Not the same person. Gotcha. <laughs> Titanic was a good movie, which Celine Dion was in. Leonardo DiCaprio was in. Oh. Hanging out in frozen water for a period of time. Yeah. In fact, oh, I guess yeah. what happened to Leon, him? Leonardo DiCaprio must have something about. Well, he did. He, see, he Titanic's more believable because Leonardo DiCaprio died in Titanic, and he should have fucking died in The Revenant. He died in Titanic because he drowned. Yeah, because he suffered from hypothermia, which they got right in that movie. Yeah, he didn't. But he drown. was also he, in the. Well, he eventually drowned. He slipped and went under and drowned. But he was also in that water for a lot longer. Hey, so, it only t- ten minutes, and you, hey. you, you you get hypothermia and water like that. All right, so, so we went and saw that movie, The Revenant. I did not see that. movie. He hasn't seen it, but we've seen The Revenant. It won we've Best Picture in the Golden Globes. It's going to win Best Picture at the mm-hmm. Oscars because Hollywood's fanboy of what's the director's name? I don't know name? why everyone loves say the director's Alejandro. name. I'm going to get the last name wrong, but it's Alejandro Inarritu. He directed Birdman, which won Best Picture last year. And he's going to win it Oscars. again this year. Yeah. They just hand these things out to this guy right now for some reason. But movie movies are active right now. We had Star Wars come out. We had Hateful Eight come out. All these other movies that just got nominated for Oscars, The Martian, Revenant. There's I don't a, even know all of them. You know, a lot of the movies nominated for Best Picture, I hadn't even heard of yet. Well, on some yeah. of these other ones um, that... I have uh, the big short. Yep. Well, I heard about that. It's Adam McKay, right? Adam McKay yeah. kind of taking on a little bit more of a serious. I've heard that's really good. Serious theme. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about the big short. But I have to say, you guys are probably the strongest voices of dissent against the Revenant. I've You're right. Heard. And I was, I was a big dissenting voice against Birdman. So I, I like Birdman. I like Birdman a lot. I didn't. I didn't. In fact, at, at 30 minutes into The Revenant, I wanted to walk away. Not because I was offended by the violence, which I think there were stories out there that some people were offended by the level of violence within The Revenant that it made them want to walk out. But um, I love film, and I know there's different schools of film. Like, I'll go see something like The Matrix and believe every minute of it when there's no way The Matrix exists well, me, in real life. I want to say something about The Revenant in regards to... Well, that's what I was... When, in regards to the graphic nature of no. it, is that that's one of the things that the Revenant uses as a massive crutch. It almost feels like the filmmakers believe that they have made a good movie for you if they constantly do these graphic scenes and it just hits you over the head with it over and over and over and over again. And just because there's all of these shocking moments that this person goes through, that doesn't that doesn't make it a good movie just because you're sitting there freaking out and you know chewing on your fingernails because there's this bear attacking him or he's eating a raw fish or he's cutting open a horse to get inside of just because he's doing these crazy 
like graphic things doesn't make it a good story. It doesn't make it good entertainment. It's just, but it really shocks your system, especially if you're someone that's not used to seeing scenes like that. And it just, I don't know, it was boring. <laughs> I mean, I see letting go of some elements of realism within a film, within a film, but I feel like the Revenant completely disregards everything about what the human body can endure. It completely disregards the concept of infection. Like, that clearly does not exist for some reason. Frostbite? It d completely disregards the concept of frostbite. It completely disregards the concept of, um, what's it called? Uh, hypothermia. Um, it completely disregards the concept of starvation. It completely disregards the concept of dehydration. It completely disregards the concept of exhaustion. Like, for some reason, none, none of those exist. Like, if you do a movie and you kind of let one of those go, that's, I'll give that to you. But all of them? Right. Like, you know, if, if he was some kind of superhero, maybe, or there's nothing to explain why this human being was able to experience all of that and not die, or at least become a little bit handicapped, but he still continues to constantly function. And not only that, all the dialogue in that movie was literally just characters reciting the plot points. That's literally all that they were oh, doing. It disregards blood loss. Yeah. <laughs> like that doesn't matter anymore. You can, you can bleed as much as you want and you'll always be fine. You'll just always be able to walk. And then not to mention it had, it had a gratuitous rape scene. The <laughs> it's not a rape scene. There's a rape scene. Not the bear. There was an actual rape oh. scene in it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I can't, I can't oh, chime yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, um, the there was this, supposed to be this this moment of levity where all of a sudden, it, with all the stuff that he's gone through, they're trying to catch snowflakes on their tongue. Yeah, and that and it, didn't work. It, that did not come across well. It was sorry. Yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah, sorry, so we, we didn't we, like we, the Revenant. Yeah, I did not like the Revenant. <laughs> eight thumbs down. But we liked Hateful Eight. We liked Hateful I Eight. I loved Hateful Eight. Um, and I know a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of people who disliked Hateful Eight. For some of the same reasons, in fact, that you're hating absolutely, the absolutely. gratuitous and right now, violence. And right and now, Quentin Tarantino's getting a lot of shit from from uh, um, the police. You know, have you seen the stories about the I New York police really that, being against Quentin Tarantino because they feel like he That was he a few is, months ago, wasn't it? He's what? Promoting gun violence? Violence, ag violence against police. And so How's they don't like that. that. How did um, he promote violence against police? Because he attended some rallies against police oh. violence in New York City. And so the NYPD was kind of taking a stance, you know, like a, 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 a unified stance against Tarantino. And they claimed that it's because of them that um, attendance on Hateful Eight was really low, that they <laughs> somehow had a big impact on that. Um, but one of the things I will always love about Quentin Tarantino is that dude's level of cool. Like, I right. think there's a lot of... One of the things missing today are, are people in films who are just fucking cool. Samuel L. Jackson, fucking cool. Right. Kurt Russell, fucking, fucking cool. cool. Tim Roth, fucking cool. Leonardo DiCaprio, eh. He's cool in some movies. He should have. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, in Django Unchained, for example, okay, Leo he, was cool in yeah, that movie. Yeah, he was I cool. I mean, his character uh, was, an, was a piece of crap, but. It was not my favorite character in, Jan in Django Unchained. No, sure. but it was cool. I don't and think he's that level of You know cool. what was also cool about Hateful Eight is that Quentin Tarantino was able to get, and I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but Ennio Morricone, Morricone to do the soundtrack for that. And if That's anybody, fucking cool. If anybody yeah. recalls the old Spaghetti wow, Westerns. Wow, wow, wow. 
That's him. Well, I mean, he well, got well, he got well. the guy that made the classic soundtrack for the spaghetti westerns, like you know, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. A uh, few dollars more, fistful of dollars. Um, did I mean, this music? When I heard that, it, I, I I was aware of who Ennio Morricone was, but I not actively what he was doing. And honestly, I didn't know he was still alive. Yeah. Like so, when I heard, I was like, wait, original Ennio Morricone scores yeah. for? Oh, sweet! Like how, how you uh, can't? I mean, he made that whole movie the way all of those westerns were made. Right. So I think that's part of it too, but I just thought it was fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm, I love the dialogue driven Tarantino style. I mean, I think it says a lot that you can literally have pretty much one set and get mm-hmm. away with so much story and so much, and they did and so much character development with just through conversation and interaction. Like, and he still got away with doing it in kind of a nonlinear format in this one as well. Right. Yeah. There was a little bit of the pulp fiction style, not seeing things in the order they actually occurred. And but this was certainly not the most violent or bloody of any no, Tarantino. No, no, it's no, not no. my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. And I mean, like I didn't really care for Jackie Brown. I still like it. Um, and you know, the Kill Bill, Kill Bill One is not my favorite. I mean, like I don't. You ever seen Kill Bill 2? I mean, I don't fall over myself trying to get to a to a Quentin Tarantino movie, but he just operates on a whole other level. That Man, we kind of did on this one, though, because comes, we went and saw the 70 millimeter release. But, but that was a, a special event that was a it was. thing. I mean, there's not that whole road show. I mean, that's a whole different thing, too, is the road show presentation of a movie, which I didn't even understand until going there and getting the little flyer and, mm-hmm. and reading some of that history about... Like that's how movies really started because you had you might have had a theater, but those theaters didn't have projectors in them. I mean, at the time that they came out, they were new technology; they couldn't afford them. So they would do this roadshow where they would pack up the projector, they'd pack up the film, they'd pack up a few actors sometimes with the director. They even then you didn't have sounds. So sometimes you had to have an organ player go along to do the scores and play the piano parts or bring. Which in was the something thing. that we noticed about uh, our recent tour of the Tower Theater. When they had the official lighting ceremony, you know, they led us all into the Tower Theater, and right. and we walked down into the theater where the seats are going to go, but there were no seats, and at the time, and you could just walk right up to the stage, and you could see the pit right. where whoever the organ player used to be would sit there and, and mm-hmm. play music, and I feel like Quentin Tarantino is steeped in film history, and he, you know, he's, he's spent his whole entire life dedicated to film. That's what he does, and he loves the history of it, yeah. and he wants to bring back that visceral experience of the theater as film and a theater as an event, as an experience. Yeah. And it's, and that's what that was. I mean, to go in there and have zero pre movie junk, we got that cool red and black graphic that said overture. Mm -hmm. And we started to hear the score play. Then the movie started and then there was an intermission. Yeah. And we got to get up for a second and take a break. And like, and I, you would think that maybe that breaking a movie in the middle and letting people out, like, oh, I'm going to forget what was going on or it's going to take me out of things. I felt like it made the thing better. It made better. me wish that every movie had an interview. Yeah, well, I was like, I want... a minute to go pee and refill my cup. And, right. And, and it makes back. more sense today than it ever has before because movies are so much longer now. I mean, it's not uncommon to go see a three-hour freaking movie. You know, and something else that happened in that screening I thought was interesting was, you know, we didn't get the pre-show advertisements and messages from the theater, you know, please turn off your cell phones and all that hubbub they make about that crap nowadays. And at the very beginning of the, of the movie, when the overture kicked in and the light started to dim, somebody in the front had their phone out and like 
somebody a few seats away was like, excuse me, audibly to the whole theater. Could you please turn your phone off? Like, so the theater sort of governed itself because we didn't need this crazy over the top visually auditory assault of please turn your phone off. Please be nice. Please be quiet. Please be like the people in the theater. Like, like, Hey, I'm here for this experience. If you're the kind of person who's attracted to that kind of experience, you're not somebody who needs to be reminded that, Hey, you just spent $15 on a movie ticket. You should turn your phone off. But if you're spending $15 on a movie ticket, you already have your phone off because you've gone there to see this damn movie, not be on your phone. Except that person that was in the theater. Do you recall that that person's person that had their phone out? Did you recall their response? Cause they shouted something back. They go, I paid my fucking money to see this movie. Like well, then, that yeah, gives, then why are you on your phone? Like right. paying, you know, $18 gives them the right to have their phone out during the movie. Yeah, no. Doesn't. Why would you pay $18 to go? I mean, you can sit with your phone for free at home. Why would right. you pay $18 to do that? Actually, it's not free. I have a, a mortgage and, and bills <laughs> yeah. and uh, groceries, so it's not free to sit at home. All right, so I, I know that for this current film season, I feel like I'm kind of on, I feel like I'm the minority. Uh, with my opinions because I know some other friends of ours who are big into film who didn't like Hateful Eight who are big fans of of Alejandro Inuritu who loved Birdman and loved loved The Revenant and think that all the accolades it's getting are are warranted. Now, I want to hear from you what makes Star Wars so great because I saw it too. I felt like it was just a repeat of the first one, but you loved it. I did love it because, I mean, it, it's a complicated picture and I admit that it's not all about that individual movies. Um, what, what, it, what he produced. It's not just about star Wars, the force awakens. It's, it's about a, a history. I mean, you've got a, a franchise that is literally now the most valuable movie property in the history of the world. Now owned much. by Disney. Now owned by Disney. So arguably you could say they probably are one of the biggest valued movie companies on the planet, but I mean, to me, it was, I can see, and I've been a proponent of J.J. Abrams in general forever. You have. Because I can see in his filmmaking, like, I feel like I can see his thought process and his intention and his drive behind it to make a movie that respects, but at the same time pushes things, you know, Um, from Cloverfield, Super 8. I mean, those movies got mixed reviews, but to me, it was like, I watched J.J. Abrams take Super 8 and make a movie that was completely inspired by the movies and the people that Spielberg, I grew up on. E. Spielberg mm-hmm. and, and even George Lucas Goonies. in the beginning. Yeah, and you know there was something that popped up the other day, a video or something of J.J. Abrams talking, and literally for a split second, I thought it was Steven Spielberg because he kind of looks like him. <laughs> yeah. He kind of looks like Steven Spielberg looks a when he was bit. younger. <laughs> you put a hat on him and get a little bit bushier sure. <laughs> 70s hair, but... I mean, Star Wars was just from a the story in terms of the Star Wars universe is fantastic. It did everything that Star Wars was supposed to do. There's mystery. There's questions. There's there's myth mythical beings and concepts that we're not quite sure of. And and that's what's been most impressive to me is how many times I've been out and gotten into conversations with other people who are into the movie where we can just dig in and find all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you notice that part? Oh no, I didn't see that. Oh, and that, I do that love hints doing you. That. Regardless of whether or not I like a movie, I love getting into that. And that's one of the things that Abrams has always supposedly been a really big thing is the mystery box. It's like, here's this thing. 
there's something mysterious about it. I'm not going to tell you all the details. I'm going to present it to you, and then you're either going to figure it out on your own, or I'm going to reveal it at some point. There's a TED Talk he did a couple years ago that he talks about this. Oh, he did a TED Talk? Yeah, it's what? really awesome. I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure it was a TED Talk. Something like a TED Talk. I think he did do a I, TED Talk. I think talk. it was a TED yeah. Talk, though. And he talks, the whole the whole TED Talk is about this mystery box concept um, and how it harkens back to when he was a kid and he got some some mystery box from like a magic shop type novelty store or something that sort of influenced him. But I mean, to me, Star Wars was a was a success across the board from if you look at it as, you know, even just as a visual effects movie, it was freaking mind blowing what they were what they pulled off, how they went back, you know, like Tarantino harkened back to westerns and he shot on super 70 ultra panavision or whatever and he got ennio morricone to the score jj abrams went back to film That's he went true. back to practical You're effects right. he went back and got got john williams john williams he went back and got lawrence kasdan who wrote and created yeah. these yeah. stories from the beginning so one i mean anybody could have gone back and gotten those people and produced a movie i mean it, with the power of disney and lucasfilm behind you you can hire those people regardless but you can't produce the finished product with all of those pieces and have it be tied to the back unless you have that skill and that ability. Uh, he's, he's kind of to vision. the ultimate protege of Spielberg and Lucas. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like he was, I've said this a couple times to people, it's like he was literally born and raised yes, to, to make that movie. Yes. I mean, for, you look back, even when he got tagged for Star Trek, you know, a lot of people when the first Star Trek came out, they were just like, uh, this is Star Wars? I didn't I didn't look forward to it, but I loved it. Yeah, and, and when you look at the story and you look at the way the characters were developed and things like that, they're like, there's a lot of similarities to, to Star Wars and the nature of how the movies were shot. But, I mean, so I just, to me, it was, and especially with the history of the prequels and all of the differing, differing opinions on that stuff, to be a fan of it, to have loved the original trilogy so much, I, I give some credit to the prequels. I mean, yes, there are a lot of things that suck. But there's also it, it, there's also story there, whether it was executed properly or not. There is good story there, and it's part of the universe. So to be disappointed by that, and then to have this thing come back and just be so awesome in all of these regards that it was like it was refreshing to see. And it's what I, was needed. And it's kind of interesting to me too because I I give him a lot of credit for stepping away from it now too. Like he's not directing the next one he's not right. even writing i mean oh i didn't know that. he's still involved he's going to be producer Who's gonna direct the next producer. One? uh ryan johnson um you, you i i wish i had a his ryan IMD johnson that sounds from alan smithy you'd the list of movies that he's involved in um you'd recognize um or maybe it's Rian. I don't know how it's pronounced. R I A N. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have um, seen that name before. I think he's all the right, second I one. I think he's the second one, or he's the third one. I can't remember. Well, you know, and in the midst of all this, now J.J. Abrams has kind of like surreptitiously slipped in this Cloverfield sequel. Yeah, but that again, that people are associating. Looper. People he wrote are, Looper. Yeah, he wrote Looper. Or, oh, that was a good movie. Um, he was also he directed some Breaking Bad episodes. Mm-hmm. He directed. Or you know, I'm a fan. Maybe of that. that's why it's familiar. Yeah, there's another movie he was really famous for. I feel like, but um, still, Lawrence Kasdan's writing that Star Wars. But or yeah, uh, the Cloverfield thing though wasn't directed by J.J. Abrams. I don't even know if it was written by J.J. Abrams. It was just produced by Bad Robot Studios, which oh, okay. is J.J.'s house. So, um, hey, did you hear about uh, uh, who? Are the, 
I think it's called uh, Black Label Productions. It's uh, a set of twins out of Enid who helped produce um, that new movie that has... Uh, I'm forgetting Wow, about this is making now. really good content. And you, I just watched you the just movie. You interrupted whatever I was talking well, about. Well, keep going, because now i got to... Well, now I'm looking at Black Label Productions. I think it's Black Label Productions, because they just got nominated for a right. couple of Oscars. Yeah, yeah, I heard, um, I've heard about that. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, what, you know, <clears throat> what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I interrupted another thought I was having too, but now I got to figure out who this is. I, I actually discovered a little gem on uh, Netflix last night. This movie called, or it's a short, 15 minute short called World of Tomorrow. And it's a Don Hertzfeld short. Yes. And Don Hertzfeld is an animator, kind of well known for all of his animations are just like stick figures. Mm. And he did a one that was nominated for an Oscar about 15 years ago called Rejected. And it was all these kind of stick figure commercials yeah, where that. all this crazy animation happens. But this one called World of Tomorrow is about this little girl whose future, future, future self, like a third iteration of this girl in the future, comes back and kind of tells this little four-year-old girl what the future is going to be like and how they kind of do time travel via memories, which is very um, sort of La style kind of time travel. Um, but... That is uh, the newest animated film by Don Hertzfeld. So that's something worth checking out in Netflix yeah. if you want to see some kind of really cool you know, animation that's also a little bit futuristic. Sicario, Sicario. is the film yeah, I'm yeah. trying to think of. Um, had Josh Brolin, um, you know, Emily Blunt, Benicio Del Toro. Um, and I've it was really nominated. Good things about that. So it's uh, Roger Deakins did the cinematography nah. of it. Of no, uh, he's done Coen most Brothers of, fame. He's done most of the mm. Coen Brothers movies. He did Shawshank Redemption. Um, so I enjoyed Sicario a lot more than I enjoyed several of the other movies that have been nominated for Oscars. But you, you watched Sicario? Yes. And it's pretty good. It's uh, It's got some pretty graphic scenes in it too. But, I mean, we are in the midst of a great film season right now. Because even if, it, regardless of, of people's opinions of movies like Hateful Eight and The Revenant and Star Wars, those films are at the forefront of movie making right now. Right. So regardless of what these films are rated, regardless of you know reviewers' opinions, your friends' opinions, the opinions of people blabbing on podcasts, you still have to go see them. I mean, you right. just, you've got to, if you love film culture, you have to go see them regardless of what someone else thinks. Well, let's yeah. talk about where we can go see them here in Oklahoma City, a little bit of a review of local movie theaters, kind of the perks and drawbacks of each one. Yeah, I mean, closest to us is the AMC at Penn Square, which closest has... Closest like, well, actually, closest right now is... What do you point at? Oh, well, yes. <laughs> at this very moment... At Harkins. Closest to us is Harkins in Bricktown. Um, I don't think I ever go to Harkins, really, except I've been a during Dead times. Center. There's some good stuff at Harkins. Um, the Seneca Pre is their big... Mm-hmm. What was the last thing you saw at the Seneca Pre? Couldn't tell you. You know, the best thing about Harkins is... It was a couple years ago. They participate in Dead Center. That's yeah. what's so, good about Harkins. Yeah, Har- you can go to Harkins in the summer in June and see... Yeah, I mean, Dead beyond Center that, it's your standard movie theater, pretty much. The well, Seneca Pre is their big, fancy, big screen with super high digital, whatever, but... So what's awesome about Penn Square? Penn Square, <laughs> we get reserved seating. And? And... Recliners and recliners. I think everybody's going to agree right now that Penn Square is probably the 
best place to go see a movie in all of Oklahoma City. I know that the Warren... That's not Oklahoma City. That's true. It's not. That's more. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in Oklahoma City, I think your downsides to Penn Square is in a mall, um, which, you know, have your own opinions about that. The theaters are very small, which can be a downside because they sell out pretty fast. But it can also be a plus side because it's nice small. I've never had a problem getting to a tick, getting into anything. And what's funny is people because of these like reclining seats, and there's usually you know in the row seats where you can flip up the arm in the metal, and so a, a couple can kind of like snuggle. People bring blankets into this theater. Yeah. You know, oh, it's I've like never being heard at home. so much snoring. It feels it's, like yeah. cheating. That's probably the downside <laughs> of those say, theaters is how many people fall asleep. Most conversations <laughs> I have about AMC Penn Square usually end up in well. The movie's too long. I tend to fall asleep because it's so comfortable in there. If you go too late, you know, to a showing that, like, we went and, oh, we we saw Star Wars. We went to a a showing of, like, 11.45. Mm -hmm. That was late, so people were falling asleep in there. Yeah. So that's probably its big downside. Well, then the best part of AMC Quill Springs is probably going to be, they have the IMAX. They do have an IMAX there. So you can see your 3D IMAX movies there if you're so inclined. Uh, you've got Tinseltown off of Tinseltown. I- the best thing about Tinseltown are its ticket prices. Yeah. Well, cheap like, matinees. And I guess it's just Tuesdays. They do $4 movies on and Tuesdays. And they have a tendency to do a lot of showings of, uh, what do we see? We saw Roger Waters, the wall there. Yeah. Yeah. The um, what are those showings? Fathom called? events. Fathom events. They cater yeah. to a lot of those. The Quell Springs AMC, they'll typically get, um, a lot of independent films that, a lot of the other theaters won't run. I was so mad. I just found out on a friend of mine on Facebook posted that they were showing the like legit Blade Runner cut at Tinseltown. The last director's week. cut. The final cut. What's the difference between the director's cut and the final? Well, there's the director's a, there's a bunch of different cuts. Yeah, of Blade I think Runner. the well, the director's cut is where they added back the voiceover dialogue that's right and people didn't like it yes. because they liked the mystery without it and i think the final cut is like a a final tweak where some of that was removed again they but kind of found a good balance yeah maybe. with the narrate with the well then that's what's voiceover. awesome about tinseltown is they'll run these series of older movies Historic so like movies, honestly, yeah. ghostbusters what and was Back that to you and Future. i so steven and i went one time and saw fight club did we go see Fight Club? You and I saw Fight Club. We also went and saw Speaking Ghostbusters. Clubs, they showed yeah. Breakfast Club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I saw Back to the Future recently there because of that. Um, but yeah. Back in time. So um, those are the sort of big main. I don't really know much about smaller second run theaters. Well, the smaller, smaller theaters. we've got. Um, uh, there's a couple of smaller theaters up in Do Edmond. There's a dollar theater around here somewhere. Yeah, there's North Park Mall. Is that the dollar theater? Is there still a dollar theater? I think there's still uh, a theater. Is there I don't really? think so. I don't Isn't think there okay. is. Well, we we do for sure still have one drive-in theater. If you guys weren't aware, uh, we can still go to a drive-in. It's at the, the Winchester. They're on Southwestern. So if you feel like taking in a, a drive-through, wasn't that whatever happened? To, does Brixton Square drive-through drive-in movie? Where is Brixton, Brixton Square? Square? Brixton ever? Square doesn't exist. That was anymore. up there on Northwest Expressway, mm-hmm. and there's something. a Hollywood theaters down in Norman, I think. In there, or is that on? Yeah, Moore? Norman still has the big Hollywood theater, yeah. um, and, and then of course more Warren, which is well, yeah, everyone like knows the Warren. Nothing can compare to their IMAX. That thing is insane and then well don't forget we also have the oklahoma city museum of art you can go and see yeah. your independent i films actually there. went and saw hayao miyazaki film uh castle in the sky recently which was awesome to see that in a theater mm-hmm. um they're always doing cool and they show showings. great foreign films there that's yeah. where i saw a girl with a dragon tattoo 
And then here, that was the only place to see it at the time. Here pretty soon, once the not tower, the new version, but the, the once the right. tower starts running. Um, yeah. So that was something we. Uh, I mean, we talked about it with Ian and Haley, but uh, after. Um, Ian and Haley was were in the studio with us. We went to the sign lighting, right? The official sign lighting mm-hmm. at the Tower Theater, and it's it's unbelievably gorgeous in there. And they yeah. will be showing films in the Tower Theater, right? Because they still have a couple of old seventy millimeter projectors up there That's in the, the old projection booth. Yeah, when I went up there about a year and a half ago, when the, um, those guys first acquired the building, we got to tour in there <clears throat> and see the projection booth. And there are these two Philips Norelco thirty five seventy beautiful projectors and i actually went and did some research on them and they're like heralded as like some of the greatest film projectors that were ever made they i think it's one of the only film projectors in history that won an academy award like (laughs) they the technology won an award because and there's two of them and there's two well you have to have two because the films are so the reels are so long you have to be able to switch projectors halfway through the movie (laughs) didn't know that yeah it's the it's the fight club cigarette burn oh the cigarette burn thing okay So yeah, the your first half of your movie is on one reel. You line up. So the you second have to have you have to have two projectors to show one movie. Yeah, and there was only, well, there's only one screen. So right, and they're just they're just aimed and lined up so that when you flip that switch, I still don't understand how that even works. I'd love to learn that process. Mm-hmm. Are there any projectionists? Projectionists in Oklahoma? I'm City? sure there that there are some, but probably few and far between at this point. Who are who have experience running those yeah. projectors? So I mean I, I think the the plan is to get those restored and brought back to life, which would be wonderful, phenomenal. Imagine, I mean, maybe we especially could, like we're talking about, you know, Star Wars was on film, Hateful Eight was on film, even all the way back to Interstellar, it was released on seventy millimeter analog print. That's yes. right, it was. So like these movies that are being shot on film or they're being shot on IMAX, like there's a IMAX actually is a seventy millimeter format. They it's a I learned this the other day. It's a they turn the frame sideways to get more picture on the film. But the fact that it's that sizing already makes it easy to transfer or create a print of 70 millimeter, I guess. So the idea that we could be getting even some, some of these movies as second run in the tower, but the analog we versions showing Lawrence of Arabia again on 70 millimeter. Yeah. Or, or going back and doing Cleopatra and Lawrence mm-hmm. of Arabia or so they, sound they, of music. I wanna, you know what I want to see happened there? at the tower. I want to see the wizard of Oz. Yeah. There, wizard that would be fantastic. Or, you know, being able to do cool events where, yeah, we're, we, we're, we've got the, the print of wizard of Oz. We're going to show wizard of Oz. But then at ten o'clock that night, it becomes the dark side of Oz. Yes, and we do, you know, and we <laughs> what we do Pink Floyd and, they and do, dark side you know, of the moon. Do some fun, right, Pink fun Floyd stuff like that. Where it's like, Oz together, it could be a another um, spot to do the Rocky Horror Midnight showings. Bring back the yeah. midnight shows, you know. I mean, I'm assuming somewhere in the plan here is some sort of modern digital projection system to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But that's different, you know. Now you only need one of those. You don't have to have a bunch, and they're not as big as these analog projectors were and i'm assuming that'll all be part of the plan and i i I understand that one of the concepts too is to possibly do the mezzanine as a small screening area so put a screen just in front of the balcony edge so that they can drop a screen that would be awesome and just do a two three hundred person showing they did that in shawnee on on one of the old movie theaters um they have the it's called the hornback um, but years and ago, the they put a screen in front of the balcony and called that the penthouse. So they yeah. turned what well, was a one-screen theater into a two-screen theater called the Hornback in the Penthouse. Nice. So if they could make that modular, that would be awesome. 
Yeah. That they'd have to bring in. And, you know, make make one of them the 70 millimeter projectors and make one of them like a digital screen. Yeah. Well, I think with those, I mean, I don't, I'd have to do a lot of digging on this, but I would assume with those 70 millimeter projectors and the it lenses. Has to be far off. Yeah. At, at so least the, the lenses that exist there, if they're still there, I didn't true. actually notice, would be designed for that distance. And you couldn't and putting just, a screen up on the mezzanine would yeah. screw with that. So I would almost imagine the mezzanine would have to just be a standalone digital system that was mm-hmm. tuned for that space. That would be awesome. And then we just uh, wrapped up today work on our next short film that's going to be coming out this spring. A retooling of a failed film. Well, no, I guess not failed yet, but we just Didn't couldn't fail. we couldn't make it because of the current weather conditions. We had to let no. go of our original idea. It was uh, hmm. our first film was uh, it's a film called The Door Handle. It's still very much alive, but it required a lot of filming outdoors. The whole and, thing takes place outside, and, and it's, it's winter time. And it's been every morning we try yeah. to get up and film. It's just been too cold. So John retooled it into a new film, into a comedy. Yeah. So Mercury is in retrograde right now. I don't know how many of you pay attention to the movement of the stars. I have, it's a been, bunch of BS. I have been I have been told that by a lot of people <laughs> right. in the last few weeks. So. Well, why don't you go ahead and enlighten us, Professor Trelawney? Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we started work on the movie, filming it uh, like January fifth, right around the time Mercury went retrograde. And to explain what that means is, uh, when you see the planet Mercury at night in the sky, you know normally it's moving a, a certain direction. Let's say forwards. <laughs> right. Okay. So, <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. So what Mercury retrograde is is just an optical illusion that occurs about three different times a year, where it almost looks like Mercury is is moving the wrong direction in the nighttime sky. And so what happens is um, that gets associated with um, miscommunication, electronics breaking down, things failing. Well, you know what's luck. really so? I mean, what happened when we this morning when I get up to go film Mercury retrograde? I grab my wife's phone and it slips out of my hand and it's got a case on it and it falls flat, you know, face down on the ground and just shatters. Exactly. That's Mercury. That's Mercury retrograde. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just or just or the m- fact that while we were trying to shoot the movie, my camera just kept suddenly the turning kept itself off. off. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but what's crazy too is Mercury retrograde is also associated with good things as well. It it can be one of them being that it's also a good time to try to finish up a project. So what I did was. Um, basically write a comedy that sort of encompassed this. So instead of trying to film it's the door handle, it's very, it's very metafiction and that it's now we've now created this comedy that sort of encompasses the pitfalls of trying to make this film during Mercury retrograde. When there was, there was so much against us trying to make this movie the way that we wanted to, that you, you just, you have to, you have to give up or else you're going to make yourself go crazy. So just kind of stopped, reassessed and did this really fun. As Steven was describing it, it's almost sort of like a Aaron Sorkin styled take. Yeah. We were trying to, we were trying to make it as sort of simple as possible, but also be interesting. So, we just kind of ended up running around the room with one camera, just kind of watching dialogue and interactions exchange. And it, I don't know, from the from the quick preview we did, it looks like it's going to be kind of fun. It like, does. It does look fun. And I mean, it's it, it looks fun um, even prior to sending it through the grueling editing process. That still yeah, we still ahead have to us. edit it. It's got hours of editing ahead, um, but. But I think it's worth a it's worth a few good laughs, and it's only going to require 
maybe seven minutes of your time. Uh, even I mean, the thing that we did today came out at what three and a half minutes time. Yeah, but we're gonna Something add like some that. stuff to it. We'll add, a, we'll add a little bit to it. Well, we're gonna have fun with it in post production, um, and then we're going to um, submit it and hopefully get it entered into Dead Center if they accept it. So for that's the kind Oklahoma of the, shorts for yeah. the Oklahoma shorts. That's kind of what we're shooting for. So we have but about, not just Oklahoma shorts, Oklahoma comedy shorts, yeah, and I don't yeah. know how many people are making those. We so. have about a month and to get find that a niche done. if you want to get into Dead Center. Find a niche. <laughs> If it's three or four minutes, that's pretty easy to just tuck in there. So. Yeah. So fingers crossed that they accept our submission. Um, and, and the money not, that we'll, we're bribing them with to accept our submission. And Everybody of, has to pay. And to kind submission. of jump jump back to what we were talking about with like we were sort of being critical a little bit of making movies and techniques and stuff. Like one of the things I really liked about what transpired today was very very little preparation <laughs> right went into this i mean there was a script um we had the same group of people and actors had already been working together trying to shoot the door handle so we, we didn't have any of that like kind of getting to know each other or worry about that it was like okay we're back again mm-hmm. only we're changing it and let's just let's just literally run and gun and see what happens and we it, did it, it like Fifth, there were like 15 yeah, we takes over and over and over and over Well, we did it a bunch of times. Steven was running a little bit late, but we still had some equipment and set up. And we ran it before he got there, ran it after he got there. Yeah. And by the time we were doing the last takes, and you had yeah. that you had that uh, handheld GoPro working, it, everything just not started a GoPro. clicking. Not a GoPro. We don't need to tell what, but it's not, I just want to make a point. It's not a GoPro. It's not a GoPro. That was okay. awesome, though. Basically, this thing was filmed. Steven had a... There was, the, there was, was a, a GoPro sitting on the table, right? Yeah, that was just Okay, for, that was just for... Uh, but Steven had this... It was a small, handheld camera. Uh, and if you're familiar with like, drones, right? it's the kind of... Mm-hmm. It's that kind of round... It almost even looked like a camera that you might use to put on your computer to right. do video kind on it. It almost looked like you that plugged HAL 9000 out of his... Um, Right. Of just just, he just walked around just holding this in his hand just filming everybody in a in a circle and we did it all in one take it's about a three minute take and i'm i'm pretty proud of what we did today i think it'll come out well yeah, i've always been a fan of the long tracking shots as they're called where it's these unbroken cuts sometimes going through really crazy scenarios that shouldn't be possible like the opening of gravity which again the dp from yes. revenant and and, I, and that's so as much as as much crap as i talked about revenant the dp the director of photography yes was, it was, was brilliant. A his film. work is probably the best part of it in my opinion so in a sense this film is a is a three and a half minute tracking shot yeah in a room just following this ordeal which will let you let you, you see know, the film. And it's a true story. And it's a true story. It's a true story. It is a true story about a true story about a true story. We take hypothermia into account so much that we film the whole thing inside. Right. <laughs> we know that we can't even be outside right. for an hour in 40 degree weather. And, so. and and also wanting to make it so simple that it literally, it takes place while we're standing around a table. But it's interesting. Yeah. And no it's one funny. gets attacked by a bear. Right. So we made, we basically we did retooled. almost have a dinosaur attack. We did, <laughs> we did have a, a bit of a dinosaur incident. Imagine all that. So hopefully the so yeah, the so. final product will be uh, ready to view come this June. And, and uh, well, where did we film today? Because there's something else special about where we filmed oh, today that's coming up. Yeah, that we, we filmed inside of one of our favorite places, six twelve. Amy Young's. Establishment over there in Paseo on Twenty. We're now seeing a lot of great work there being done by uh, Paul Mays as well. He's gardening. Mm. If you guys remember him from our second yeah. ever episode, those compost bins he show. just built over there, are fantastic. 
Oh, I meant to take a look at that when I was over no, there. Just, awesome. We were just so it's in great. and out, I didn't even. So again, I mean, we we talk about six twelve on here a lot, and if you still have never been to six twelve, you need to go. And the greatest time to go would be February sixth, because on February sixth is the second annual second Mardi Gras annual. festival. Mardi, Wait, Mardi Gras, Gras ball. ball, my bad. Mardi Gras ball. This is not a festival; it is a ball. Yeah, this is six twelve's base, basically their annual fundraising event, and it um, is a riot. It is awesome. Amy brings in like a legit. Full on Zydeco band from New Orleans. They're going to have the King Cake and all these, you know, Mardi Gras related stuff. We're even introducing crews this year. There will be two crews. And if you don't know, that's K R E W E. And these are the usually crews in, in Mardi Gras refer to the, the groups in charge of floats and parades. They have these teams, they all get together and they compete. I'm not doing a parade yet. Yet. Not yet. But we do have two crews this year, and they're headed up by two couples. Um, one couple being Candace and Scott Mitchell from Mitchell in the Morning. Fantastic people. people. They're Great everywhere. They show. love Oklahoma. Great City. community supporters. Um, so they're doing one crew, and the next, the other crew is being uh, headed up by Ian and Haley McDermott, our favorite neighbors and our favorite bar neighbors. operators. And again, I mean, if you haven't been to a, one of these pump parties that have started happening regularly, like last night, oh, the I burlesque went, party, I missed it. Burlesque, it. I fell was, asleep and missed it. It was almost <laughs> crazier than their birthday party. Was it really? Was it really? <laughs> well, I think people like understand now that when the McDermott's throw a party, they at throw the pump, a party. They throw a party at the pump. Um, so they're going to. I do, heard it. <laughs> they're going to do pre parties at seven. Those are open to anybody, whether you're going to the ball or not. You can go to the pre parties in the Paseo. There's a suggested donation at the door. And, These pre parties for the the Mardi. So the Mardi yeah. Gras ball is going to like start at seven. The pre party before the ball. The parties are at seven. The parties the are at seven. The Mardi Gras ball is at okay. eight. You can go to the pre party from seven to eight and not go to the Mardi right. Gras ball itself. But there's a right. specific purpose for the crew parties right. that take place. Because whichever eight. party raises the most money, those that couple will be count, crowned king and queen of the Mardi Gras ball. I think, right. yeah. So and so, so at seven o'clock, the parties are going to kick off in the Paseo. They're going to be at Betsy King and uh, Marla Cook's place and uh, the Project Box, Box, I believe. Lisa Allswade's place. They've both graciously agreed to host the parties. And then at eight, the parties are actually going to just all let out into the street, and this big mob and the is going to move down the street to six twelve, which is kind of like the beginning of what will eventually sort of be a, our parade. Yeah, it's a little bit of. And then at six twelve, you will have a huge party set up and designed by Kent Myers and team of Kent Events. Yeah, I mean we're we part of the reason we know about this is we've been we are serving on the committee for this to help coordinate some of the band stuff and some of the entertainment stuff and the group of people it's just in that room i mean dead center is known for having great parties well all of the people that are responsible for those great parties are on this committee on this committee including other people that aren't on the dead center that are adding flavor and that's just gonna so that's go the thing. If, if you missed Glitterball and you found out about Glitterball after the fact and you're just or learning you about a, that party or you've missed the dead center parties or you've missed yeah. any of those parties now I mean come to this one because yeah. you will get just as much fun and um, uniqueness at this event as those other ones even more so because this is Mardi Gras themed and I don't mm-hmm. know of any other full on Mardi Gras party in Oklahoma City I know bars celebrate it but this is yeah. Full on, just there's, like you're down in knowledge. There's going to be alcohol. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There'll be plenty of alcohol. Alcohol, food, music, 
awesome people. I mean, a, well, it's going to be like a Beats. seven or eight piece Zydeco band. Do you remember what's the name of the band? Uh, Nathan Zydeco and the Na- yeah, Nathan something in the Zydeco Cha Chas. Nathan and the Zydeco. I mean, Cha-chas. coming straight out of the bayou. Yep. I'm sure they'll have a washboard and a trumpet and a. They're supposed tuba to be bringing me some boudin, <laughs> some crawfish boudin. <laughs> Some pork boot and hands. tickets are on sale now for the Mardi Gras ball. Yep. I would get them now. You, there, there are, may also be some full-on tables available where you can purchase an entire table. You can do yeah. that. Those are actually almost are they, gone. Are they almost gone? La- at the meeting, like a week or two ago, they were down to three. I think. And here's one of the things to keep in mind too: these pre-parties where people are spending money and donating money um, to raise and dub the king and queen. All of those proceeds and everything will go to continue funding 612 correct and so you can go to you can get those at 612.org and that's spelled out s-i-x-t-w-e-l-v-e dot o-r-g and there's a link right up at the top says mardi gras just click it and then there's your information when you buy your tickets um hopefully this will be live soon as we're still working on it but we're going to add the ability to actually donate directly to the king and queen contest right. on the ticket page because so, that is how you vote so even if you are going to the ball but you don't really feel like doing the pre-party you can still contribute and vote for your king and queen if you want that way um and again 612 is fantastic if you don't know it look it up read read amy's blog she's doing all kinds of crazy awesome I think stuff paul recently did an entry on the blog about yeah. his uh, gardening there so yeah i mean so movies have been on our mind lately for a variety yeah. of reasons Lots of we movies. finally had to sit down and just talk about movies. Yeah, we had yes. to get all this off our chest. It's I'm, too I'm shocked that we've been talking for 40 minutes. I'm not. About I'm this not already. I'm not I mean, I just doesn't all. feel like I feel like we've been talking for 10. Right. I oh, mean, okay. there, there's yeah. still that basement tape interstellar episode where we talked about <laughs> interstellar for three hours and then had to edit it down to an hour and then decided to spare everybody. I think it's still like an hour 45. Is it still an hour 45? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna maybe include that in the. Uh, That'll be on our on our on our DVD box set well, in five in, years. Whenever the bunker club opens in the floor, there's gonna oh, be this right. uh, glass piece where you can see um, stuff that's preserved in the bunker, and there might be the Wafty Show lost episode in there somewhere. All about Interstellar. And maybe in a hundred years, we'll dig it up and yeah. and you'll get to listen. <laughs> Time capsule. And you'll get to listen to everything that I like about Anne Hathaway. So yeah, go see some movies. <laughs> I mean, I just I, not, we didn't talk about it, but I mean, I just watched The Martian. I thought it was really good. I, I love the Potato the and Vicodin. It was it was definitely a return, in my opinion, for Ridley Scott back to like yes. a really. But I mean, having a great story like that to start from is. Yeah, I, I mean, want to see more movies with Mackenzie Davis in it. <laughs> it's Oscar season. We're preparing for this year's Dead Center. So get out there, go see movies, some movies, and then come join us for Mardi yeah. Gras Ball. And February if you want to make a movie, just freaking make it. Yeah, that is one of the things. That we Pull your to phone out about. of your pocket and just, just make, make a movie. movie. Go and make a movie. Write a script. It's fun. It's creative. And you have a, a product you get to watch with your friends afterwards. I mean, whether it's, it's good or not, it doesn't really matter. It's the journey that counts. And if it's not good, go make another one. Go make another one. Yeah. <laughs> Keep practicing. Make a movie about the crappy movie. You <laughs> That's <know>. exactly right. <laughs> what was that movie a few years ago? It was a movie about a book, but then there was well, a Well, yeah, movie. you're talking about adaptation. Adaptation. I absolutely love adaptation. Yeah. It's based That's on what I was trying to thief. remember earlier today. Charlie like, Kaufman yeah, was trying to take I the Orchid just, Thief and turn it into a movie, got frustrated, and then made a movie about the frustration of trying to adapt the Orchid Thief into a movie. They would have had somebody in other than Nicolas Cage. I don't know. I thought yeah, he was great. Playing, right. uh, his own, <laughs> playing a set of identical twins, so... Yeah. We've got some really great stuff coming up in the next few weeks. So thanks for listening and thanks for having your phone turned on. I know. I thought it was phone drinking, dude. <laughs> My bad. 
See you next week. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to The Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown, recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's, Kurt's awesome. awesome. That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. One of our favorite adventures is the Escape OKC. Wafty listeners get an exclusive discount when they use the coupon code listen to wafty That's listen the number 2, W-A-F-T-I. Visit theescapeokc.com and book your room now. You can help us continue our urban adventures by going to our website, www.waftyshow.com, and clicking on Support Us, where you will find a variety of ways to contribute, including becoming a Wafty Knight, which will grant you access to our exclusive content. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. We're on SoundCloud.com slash Wafty Show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show, Facebook.com slash Wafty Show, and of course, www.waftyshow.com. We'll, we'll see, see you next week. Get the wine now, baby